This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Spoiler alert! What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. everyone and welcome to episode 26 of what did you watch this week it's our six month anniversary how's it going john six month anniversary huh yeah wow of this show i was gonna say we've known each other a lot longer than that yeah of this show not not of our friendship right (laughs) six months my how time flies when you're prattling on about tv shows it does fly it does fly indeed Ooh, what was that? Was some sort of schmutz on my keyboard here. Anyhow, I guess we can go back to the introduction. My name is Mike. Of course, with me always is John, because we're the only two that do this show. So, John, what did you watch this week? Well, I uh, I watched a few shows, some that I cared about, some that I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. I, I will say that I caught up on the three episodes of Fear the Walking Dead that I hadn't watched yet. And uh, I got to say, it's still, it's not mattering to me that much. Uh, The big hook now where we're midway, we came back from the mid-season finale of season two, is that, you know, the family dynamic group that's been there since the beginning has split up. You know, one way or another, everybody got scattered. And uh, so the whole first episode pretty much follows Nick, the the drugged out loser son who, you know, he's the, he's the drugged out loser, but as a result, he kind of gets it. So, you know, he's the first one to figure out that if you smear yourself with zombie guts and blood that you can walk through them and they don't even notice, but we kind of follow him through the desert, getting attacked by dogs and uh, guys that are riding around shooting zombies for sport. And it was, it was okay. It was passable. Uh, you're not selling me. No, no, no. And, and it's not my intention to sell you at all. Um, the, part of the problem with this, like, The Other Walking Dead takes place down in Georgia. And the environments feel kind of more claustrophobic. There's a lot of trees. There's a lot of buildings. You know, it feels more like walkers could come out of nowhere. Whereas this is Mexico. And so everything's spread out and wide open spaces. So when you see like, when we see a herd of walkers coming, you know, that's maybe like 20, 25 walkers, they don't look that impressive because everything around them is empty. Hmm. And then from there, we just, yeah, that would be lack of, yeah. 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 So, so from there, we just move on to him getting taken in by a, a group who has a small community going and, then we finally get to catch up with like his mom and his sister and what they've been doing. They're in a giant um, hotel complex and mom and her friend decide that it's a good idea to get drunk and play the piano. And, you know, that's not going to attract walkers. Or- that, actually, that actually sounds like it'd be a bad idea, John. Yes. Yes, it was a very bad idea. Uh, especially we got to see a really cool scene where uh, walkers were up on the roof. They tried to escape you know, from the zombie apocalypse up on the roof. And so now they're all dead and they're just like, oh, we hear noise. Let's just walk off and fall to our deaths. That was rather amusing. 
but some tense moments, you know, fights in stairwells and such, and who's going to die and who's going to live. And it, it's, it's not a terrible show, but it just doesn't capture me. It doesn't keep me enthralled. I don't look forward to it each week. Yeah. So that was about it for that. Still hasn't completely sold me. I continue to watch it as more of a background show. But it's just, it doesn't have the magic of the first one, and I just don't see it getting to that point. So, yeah. Huh. So, you're going to keep watching it, though? Yep, in the background. Okay. I, I, background show. Yep. What about you? What'd you watch? Well, I watched a new show. Actually, it's not a new show. It's an old show, but it was new to me because I'd never watched it before. And I honestly can't recall where I I first heard of it. I think uh, I was watching something and I was looking up an actress to see what else she had been in because I like it was one of those like I recognize her from somewhere, but I can't place it. Mm -hmm. And this show was on the list. I never heard of it and I clicked on it. And then I saw that it was uh, created by Damon uh, Lindelof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm pretty sold on stuff he does because, you know, he did Lost, Nash Bridges, you know, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. So uh, I went ahead and, and looked into it, and it's called The Leftovers. Have you ever heard of it? So, uh, it's what now? The Leftovers. Oh, okay. Sorry, your mic cut out for a second there. Oh. Yeah, it's called The Leftovers. Have you ever heard of it? I have heard of it, and I saw the previews for it. And it just didn't look like anything that would interest me. Well, it's it's an HBO original series. They've already done two seasons. The third season is going about to be uh, starting up here soon. I'm almost done the first season uh, because it's HBO. Uh, it's TVMA, so there's some nudity, swearing, graphic violence, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and like the first episode was like an hour and fifteen minutes, and every episode after that. Is uh, every every episode after that's a good like fifty seven, fifty eight, fifty six minutes stuff like that. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Anyhow, so I am. Let's see, how many episodes have I watched now? There it is. I've watched five episodes. Um, and again, because they, it feels like I've watched a lot more just because the episodes are so long and I, obviously I like it enough. I keep watching it. Yeah. I don't know if I can give it a hard sell yet. I probably won't know until the end of at least this first season, but it's, it's good enough that it's keeping me there and it's not a background show. I, I watch it. Okay. And basically what it is, is that the show takes place 3d three years after what they call the departure day. Okay. And it was just for reasons we don't know, and they they don't know why, and I don't know if they I, they haven't told us yet, or they haven't even really looked into it on the show. But like two percent of the world's population just blinked out of existence on this one day, and no puff of smoke or anything, just gone. Literally just gone. Like cars driving down the road, and now that person's not in that car. Crashes into another car. And it's almost like, you know, everyone always, you know, where were you on departure day? Like, where were you? You know what I mean? Like, that's the big question everyone asks everyone else. Okay, I got you. And so um, this show, though, but this this day, this departure event affected the entire world. 
But we only look at this one town uh, in Mapleton, New York. Okay. And the main character is is Kevin Garvey, the chief of police of the show. He's played by um, Justin Thoreau. Yep. Also on the show is Amy uh, Brenneman. Yep. Christopher Eccleston, Liv Tyler, and uh, some other people that I I can't recall seeing them in anything else. Uh, there's there's almost like this. I don't want to call them a religious sect, or I don't want to call them a cult, but they're they're pretty much a cult. There's this group they call themselves the Guilty Remnant, and they they group together on this compound and their gimmick is, is that they wear all white, nothing but white head to toe. They don't talk at all. They, everything, every bit of communication is in written form, which is why you kind of have to pay attention to it because if you're not, you can't see what they're saying to each other or when they're talking to others and they smoke all the time. That's the one thing that I got out of the previews that made me kind of not want to watch it. Yeah. No, they smoke all the time. And it's kind of they they also like follow people around town and they just stand there and stare and the town's folks for the most part hate them with a passion. Absolutely hate them. And the police chief's wife played by AB Brennan, Brennan and whatever. Um she after the departure day event for whatever reason, she left and joined the cult. Okay. And, and and we don't know why, because like no one in her immediate family, like they had they had two kids together. Neither one of them disappeared. They're still around. The daughter still lives with the dad, and the son. He is. I guess there is another focal focal point we have, which is another weird messiah type guy called Holy Wayne. <laughs> did they call him that, or did he start calling himself that? I. I don't know who started it, but that's what they refer to him as, as Holy Wayne. And for whatever reason, these like congressmen even pay many, many dollars to go meet him so he can hug the stress out of them. And it's, yes, it sounds that weird. And apparently also he has a, a, a penchant for young, underage Asian girls to have sex with, and that's how he gets his powers. Well, he gets his powers from having sex with young Asian girls uh, that are underage, yes. Okay. We don't actually see that, but that's 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 what he gets his powers from. I gotcha. And, and so, and of course, like so, and that, and the chief's son, Tom, I believe is his name. He's with them. He's like a accolade or whatever. Okay. And uh, he he like drives people to the compound and away from the compound and everything. They have to be blindfolded or whatever. So anyway, so basically that's the premise of the show is that you, the main story is it takes place in this town, Mapleton, New York. There's these, the guilty remnant. They're all in white. They smoke. They don't talk. Um, and they're taking, trying to take over this town. They're buying up buildings and they paint the whole thing, including the windows white from top to bottom, head to toe. And they stand there and stare at people. <laughs> and they do demonstrations where they basically hold up signs that say, save your breath. And this whole show takes place three years after the departure event. Save your breath, but they're smoking constantly. Yeah, I think they meant talking-wise. Okay. Yeah, I think they're going for you know verbal communication, not uh, smoking. Mm. Um, but anyhow, so... 
I know it doesn't sound like I'm, I'm selling this too well, but again, I do like it enough that it's keeping my attention. Okay. Like the chief has got all these demons. He drinks too much. He, he flies off the handle all the time because he's so frustrated over a situation with his wife and he hasn't come to terms or accepted what's going on. He's in denial still. He doesn't understand why she just doesn't come home. The townsfolk doesn't understand why these people are around. They hate them. And at the beginning of episode five, I'm just giving a huge spoiler. At the beginning of episode five, some mass town folks grab one of the uh, guilty remnant, duct tape her to a tree, and then stone her to death. Wow. Like that, that's like the, the, the opening teaser before they hit the, uh, the opening credits. And so now they're invest- trying, now the chief is trying to investigate who is, uh, who did it. He's trying to determine who murdered her. Huh. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's weird. I really am curious as to what happened that made everyone blink out from existence. They flash back to that a lot, like where they, people were on that day when it happened, mm-hmm. you know, as far as like, like this lady's kid disappears, who's been, who's been crying through the supermarket. She gets her out in the car, puts her in the car. She comes around, all of a sudden stops crying. She looks back, the kid's gone. The seatbelt's still buckled. Baby's not there, so she's looking around screaming. And then you see this little boy in the background who's going, "Dad, Dad!" And then you see this car crash into this other car, and then you see like an airplane coming down out of the sky. And like you know, this is that's the opening of the first episode. I mean, this you know, that's like the first few minutes. Now, all those things that are happening are happening in the same spot. It all happened in the same. It happened around the world at the same time. Right, but like that shot you're talking. Oh about yes, this she- is what I'm talking about. Is all in the same spot. See, because. I'm not huge on math, but of 7 billion people, if 2% of them blinked out of existence, it seems like having that many of them right centered in that one spot, you know, the car crash, the kid's father disappearing, the baby disappearing, the plane falling out of the sky. Like, I don't know if that seems feasible. It just seems off to me. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe 2% of... No, no. I did the same math myself. I thought about that in the same way where I was like... It seems like even though it's only two percent of the world's pop the glo- world's population, it's one hundred and forty million people apparently. Um, oh, but yeah, I do yeah. feel like it, it takes place a lot on the same side, and this is the premise that they have here. Um, the leftovers takes place three years after a global woman called the Sun Departure, where inexplicably and simultaneously one hundred and forty million people disappeared. And then the story focuses primarily on the Garvey family and their acquaintances in the fictional town of Mapleton, New York. Kevin Garvey is the chief of police. His wife, Lori, joined the culti- the uh, guilty remnant. Their son, Tommy, left home for college, and their daughter, Jill, is acting out. Gotcha. Oh, and the second season moves the main characters to the fictional town of Jardine, Texas. Oh, I just ruined it for myself. Awesome. <laughs> like, everybody's going to move to Jardine, Texas? Yeah, like, that's the what entire wondering. town, including the guilty remnant? I, I guess we'll see what happens in the next five episodes. Maybe that's where all the people who blinked out of existence yeah. went. Yeah, maybe. Let's see here. Does it tell you who Holy Wayne is? It's ridiculous. No, it doesn't. But anyway, so I, I like it. it it's it's I, I, I like it enough that I've watched the five episodes. I've dedicated, you know, over five hours to this. And uh, I do want to finish watching it. All right. Yeah. Very lackluster sell, I realize, <laughs> by the by, they get done talking about it. But yeah, uh, I, I did I, enjoy it. 
I'm definitely not going to be rushing out to check it out. If you, if you come back and say in 10 episodes that, you know, it's amazing and yeah, you're loving it, then, you know, I might be more convinced. But Well, it's definitely a slow build. I mean, like, there's the underlying backstory of what happened. There's the story of the Guilty Remnant. There's the story of, of Holy Wayne. And then there's the ongoing issue that's in that episode as well. And so they kind of touch base on a little bit of everything each episode. And then the main focus is, is whatever the story of the day is. Gotcha. Like in episode five, it's the member being stoned to death. So that's the main focus on the story of the day, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I do enjoy it. Well, good then. Like I said, I'll wait for the rest of your review yeah. as time goes on. But I mean, it is eighty-one percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so yeah, yeah. So it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, what's uh, what's uh, what else you got? Well, uh, I watched Mr. Robot this week. Oh, I did too watch Mr. Robot. Now, this was episode 8 of season 2. And uh, episode uh, 9 has two parts. It's called episode 9 part 1, episode 9 part 2. And I thought they were going to be airing on the same date. According to IMDb, they're going to be airing on the same date. However, when I check my uh, DVR for future recordings, there's only one episode next week. So that's a little disconcerting. I wanted them back to back if they were part 1 and a part 2. But we shall see. Well, if that's the case, then, you know, I'm just going to wait till I have them both. I will as well. Because that's that's what we do. But we have seen episode eight. Yes, we have seen episode eight. We got all the questions answered from the last episode. Um, yes. From the ending, you know, we, we figured yes, out. Yes, everything who, that happened at the end, definitely, yes. They told us what, what was going on or whatever. Yeah, yeah we, we found out that, you know, the person gasping on the couch was – the uh, guy with the prosthetic leg that Darlene had sent off to head up the D.C. area. Yes. Um, mayhem. And then when Darlene answered the door and looked at two people, it was him and her boyfriend that had come back from the apartment. So, you know, it felt like two separate mysteries were tied up in one. I guess I'm okay with that. Yeah. And then uh, – but, but then Darlene, you know, kind of showed just how cold-hearted she can be when she's just like wanting to let him die. And you know... He's seen my face. You know? Yeah, he's seen my face. When he wakes up, he's going to have a morphine drip, and he's going to tell them anything and everything without even realizing it. She makes a good point, you know? It is a valid argument, she, however. Like, if, he, if they found out that she is one of the people behind the uh, May 9th attack, she's yeah. literally public enemy number one at that point. So, I can kind of understand her point. And, in retrospect, when we look at the end... Um, probably would have been better to just either leave him to die or dump him and run. Well, yeah, seeing how Dark Army came after him. Yeah, yeah. So basically they did, her boyfriend there convinced her to do the right thing, which who would have thought that he would have been yeah, the one I, to convince she, her of that? She's the voice, he's the voice of reason, reason. I mean, that yeah. just seems wrong. Yeah, but he's like, you know, this is a human being, and look at his bruises. He's going to die. <laughs> I like how he's like, that looks like internal bleeding. His entire stomach and sides were purple. Now, first off, technically, a bruise is internal bleeding. That's the definition of a bruise. But the fact that his entire midsection was purple, I'd say that's some internal bleeding, son. Yes. Yeah. Go for your medical license. You're obviously cut out for it. But, yeah, for him yeah, to be like... there's some organs crushed in there. <laughs> him to be like, he's going to die and we got to take him. And 
Then she like does a 180 and suddenly she's in the hospital and he's like, we could have just bounced. And she's like, no, I should be here when he wakes up. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like she's got some bipolarism going on there. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but we got that interesting story from her about how when she was a little kid and they went to uh, Coney Island there. And the old woman just snatched her up. And yeah, her kidnapped her. And she was just seemed to be cool with it because she paid attention to her. Yeah, she was. No one had ever paid happy. attention to her. Yeah, and, and she was sad that she never uh, that she was taken away. And to this day, she's like, "I wonder what my life would have been like if I had stayed there." Well, it's not that you would have stayed there. You know, you were a prisoner technically. But again, there are some messed up people on this show. Um. Yeah. There's there's a lot of people on this show. So, so they decide to go get a bite to eat at the diner like five yeah. blocks away. And fast forward, the FBI shows up because his picture is now up on the uh, most wanted. They're flashing it across all the news outlets. And, uh, yeah, FBI lady shows up at the diner. We don't know who gets shot, but the Dark Army shows up and peppers that place. I mean, now, that guy took off with a machine gun and just – it looked like people hit the ground, but I couldn't tell if it was from being shot or if it was from, like, hit the deck. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, my thing just flashed up. No microphone detected. Nope. I can hear you. Um, okay, so I, I got one little pet peeve with that. Sure. As a police dispatcher, if someone jumps on the radio and screams at me, send all units to Watson 6th Avenue and then stops or calls me on the phone and hangs up, they're not getting any units because we have no idea what's going on and we don't blindly send people into unknown situations. I was wondering about that because she didn't even identify herself as a fed. Oh, but you, well, and you don't, and we don't know who she called or anything like that, obviously, but I'm just saying like, there's this, the, the old motto is start that way, find out what's going on before we get there because we're not going in blind. That seems like a really it's long a motto. Completely unsafe thing. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? You have no idea what you're going into. Right. You have no idea what to expect. Are you just going there because there's a bad traffic accident? Because I don't know, a guy with a machine gun? Or you've just located two fugitives. I mean like Now, if it makes any difference, she I did she use a cell phone or did she use her radio? I thought she used her radio. Either way. Okay. Either way, because you have no idea what's going on. Because think about it. Send all units to Watson 6th Avenue. Okay. She was going in a building. So it wasn't even like it was in the middle of the street at the intersection. It was in a building. Right. Which building? When you show up there, do they know which building to go in magically? Probably not. Right, because she called for assistance prior to the people in the machine guns showing up. Yep. And if you need backup that badly, you don't run in by yourself. <laughs> That's what I said. I was like, why is she going in there by herself? She called for backup. Why doesn't she wait for them to show up? So I love the show, and yes, I'm getting nitpicky. But I think with a show like this, you have to get nitpicky. Like, yeah. there, there's not a lot of generalized stuff that you can be like, oh, well, you know, he typed P minus when he should have done P plus. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that aside, we don't know. They left us with another cliffhanger. Basically. We don't know if Darlene and her boyfriend got mowed down. We can assume right. that the FBI agent is alive because she took a shot at that guy. Well, yeah. Yeah. She ran out afterwards. Yep. And she shot the guy. He limped along his buddy on the motorcycle was like, all right, I'm leaving. Although yeah. like Kelly had said, why did, 
why didn't they pull up in front of the building, shoot, and then take off? Why did he pull up across the street, let the guy walk all the way across, and fire? I'm assuming that has everything to do with camera angles. Oh, that's true. And how they wanted to set up the shot and set up the scene and nothing to do with the logistics of doing a drive-by shooting more properly. Right. Yeah. yeah, but uh, but no, we know she's all all set because right. after the uh, the shooter shot himself in the head when his buddy drove <laughs> off, you know, she came outside. The police too. showed up and she identified herself, and then you know we saw her and she had blood on her. So we don't know if who got like, and we didn't see Darlene or her boyfriend at all after. We just saw their heads go down. So right, we just saw them go down, and that was it. Like so, we don't know if they've been shot, if they were injured. Now, if this was a high-octane action movie, we'd see next week that they hit the floor, and then as soon as she ran out of the building, they scooted out the back and were on the run from the cops who were pouring in down the alleys from the uh, backup call. And you know, it could get That's probably week. exactly what did happen and what we're going to see next week. It's quite possible. Yeah. Um, the, but then on the flip side of this episode, we had Elliot with uh, Terrell's wife, and she basically – forced him. She's like, you don't want to say no to me. But she basically forced him to backtrace the cell phone that Terrell had sent her. She assumes yeah. Terrell sent her and find out where he is. Yeah. Now, now how, remember how you said how uh, you love this show because it shows what hacking really is and what's capable of not like, you know, you just can't sit on any terminal and type into something and right. get into anything. You have to, you know. So, alright, he did the exigent circumstances on the Yes, I wanted to ask call. you about that. Yes, so he did the exit circumstances on the cell call, which is believable. You know, you we, hold on. Can you still hear me now? Yep. Yeah, the whole microphone, whole thing just popped up again. Okay. So, which is believable because I've done exit circumstances on the cell phone many, many, many times myself before. However, all he filled out was a request form. Unless that person in the state of Maine, I'm going to preface it with in the state of Maine, they just passed legislation last year, which essentially means unless you have a subpoena signed by a judge or uh, basically almost like a warrant, you cannot request cell phone records on someone's phone or have it pinged unless they've dialed 911. Interesting. Right. So, like, um, he said he's a detective. This person called and said he was going to shoot himself. He wants to get a location, blah, 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 blah. That's all well and good. But there's multiple. There's, there's a lot more paperwork that needs to be filled out and done before they'll do that. Like if, you call that US cellular, <laughs> if you call U.S. Cellular, even if you tell them you have a suicidal person who's looking for someone, right. they were like, without a, unless they dial 911 without a subpoena, we, we, you know, we can't ping that phone. Interesting. That's state of Maine laws legislation they passed last year. Now, Time Warner, uh, Time Warner will. Oh, okay. Call up and hey, I have a suicidal person. I need this. They'll do it, but you have to fill out all the paperwork for the subpoena, fax off copies of them, send copies to the district attorney's office, on and on and on. They still want that information, and they still want copies of that on file, and you know, and they still need to get that subpoena from the uh, from the DA after. Interesting. Requesting those, but yeah, but that's the state of Maine. Pre, prior to that, you could call up and say, I want to have this phone pinged. I, you know, I'm a law enforcement agency here. I filled out your request form. Here's my case number, and they would do it. Now, this takes place in New York. Do you assume that they have the same laws that we do down up here? 
I don't know if they do or not. I okay. know as far as the cell phone companies go, this is how it is in Maine. So it's it's just it's funny to me. Gotcha. But like at the same time, you don't just call up and say, "Hey, I need this," and they give it to you instantly. It takes it takes a while for them to get that information to come back. That's what I was assuming too. And I, if the I cell did feel like it went a bit too fast. If the cell phone's off, you can't get anything. Right. And on all those throwaway phones, like track phone and stuff, mm-hmm. you're not required to even give subscriber information. Like, you don't have to give a name or an address, backup number or anything. And I'd say 999 times out of 1,000 when I run a track phone, they don't have – there's no in- contact information whatsoever. Gotcha. And a lot of times they can't even ping those. Or you just get phase one, which is the old style. And, you know, and then even then, most of the time – if you get a good coefficient, you're still looking at like within 50 meters of where they're giving you, which 50 meters is a long, it's a, it's a big area. That is a pretty big area. Yeah. Especially yeah. when you consider that's 50 meters radius, I would assume. <clears throat> yeah. Like very rarely. Yeah. Radius. Yeah. As yeah, a radius, radius, but it's very rarely that like it'll pinpoint an exact address. Like it did on the show. Yeah, that was interesting because they said that it was within like what twelve feet or something or twelve meters. I think they said twelve meters, which is pretty good. I mean, but then again, it's New York City; they probably have towers all over the place, right? And they can triangulate like that. Whereas here in Maine, we have a lot of towers. We don't have that many towers. So I don't know. Sorry, this is my. uh, No, that's fine. It's like I I try to write short stories. My biggest problem, anything to do with law enforcement in them. Because my 15 years doing this, like, I just can't not make it believable like they do in movies and TV. Like, because I, I just go, no, that's not how it is. That's not how it works. That's not what we do. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Now, as a result of that trace, the guy said, basically released Elliot and said, no, there's no way he could be at that house. Yes, and we don't know why. Right, which is a- another interesting thing because we were just talking about, you know, it's within 12 meters. But there's also like multiple stories to a building. So for it to say, you know, it's within 12 meters of the sixth floor or whatever. We don't know about that. He just said he couldn't be in that building. And the next thing you know, we've got the FBI raiding Darlene's boyfriend's place, which makes it seem, you know, almost like we're supposed to believe that that's where Terrell's calls were coming from, but it's not, it can't be because they probably would have noticed that Terrell was there or that the phone was there. Right. But then again, has Elliot been placing these calls as Mr. Robot? Because you notice Mr. Robot, and he even said it, you know, was very confused. Mr. Robot disappeared as soon as they started tracking down Terrell. That's true. He did. He did say that. So Also, um, Elliot talking to us, talking about, you know, Mr. Robot wanted something that was in his in his apartment – because he wanted to go back to so bad. What was it? Do you see what it was? That was freaky when he did that. Yeah, it, it really was. Have you read anything online about that yet? I have not. So there is lots and lots and <laughs> lots bet. and lots of theories as to what Elliot was talking about and what was there in that room. And the room was really dark, too. So, I mean, right. like... They, for those who didn't watch it, they do this pan-up thing, almost like you're a ghost. So the camera kind of pans back and up towards the ceiling and then slowly pans around the room. Yes. And he's saying, you know, he obviously wanted something here. What is it? Can you see it? Come on. you got to be able to see it. Let me know what it is. Yeah. Like a big and, Blue's Clues. 
Yeah, and there's, you know, like, oh, well, there was a red light, so it's got to be what was underneath the red light, because remember, the red light symbolized when Elliot was in prison. And, oh, it was this and this and this and blah, blah, blah. And and then, like, some executive on the show or whoever released some sort of, like, statement when someone was asked a question or she was asked a question about it. And if you take where they capitalized all the letters, it spells out bottom right. So is it the bottom right corner of the screen? I mean, there is some conspiracy worthy of Oliver Stone in the JFK assassination. Love it. About what was in the room and what they could be looking for. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. So... Yeah, it was a good episode, though. It was a good episode. It was a good episode, and it ended well. I'm simultaneously really excited and not excited at all for the season finale because it's going to be another year before there are more episodes. But I'm really excited. Yeah, really yeah, excited to see gap. the last two. <sighs> yeah. So what else you got? Well. uh <sighs> I got some weak sauce going on this week, to be honest, John. All right. I had some overtime again, and then my downtime, I was watching The Leftovers, and when I wasn't watching that, I was watching wrestling, and when I wasn't watching that, I was watching Lie to Me. Ah, Lie to Me, yes. You know, this really is a great show. Like, I forgot just how good this show is. The first first season is only 13 episodes. I blew through season one. I'm on season two now. Um you know, and essentially what it is, for those who know, Tim Roth plays uh, Lightman, who runs this group called the Lightman Foundation, or Lightman Group, sorry. And essentially he is a lie expert, deception expert, sorry. And essentially what he does is he, he's contracted out to all these uh, government agencies or sometimes private citizens or whatever it is, and they have something difficult they need to determine if the person is telling them the truth or not, and his job is to go and determine if they are. And it's basically all about body language. And if the science behind what he's saying is true, then it's truly amazing if you can sit there and see all these micro-expressions and what body language means and, and how what you're saying, like for instance... In one episode, they asked this lady if she felt like this person deserved to be paroled from prison who murdered her husband. And she says, yes. Oh, yes, he does. But while she's saying it, she's shaking her head no. And so he determines, well, she's shaking her head no. Basically, she doesn't believe a word that she's saying. That right there, uh, the unconscious nodding or shaking of the head is an honest-to-God thing. I've read up on it, and I've witnessed it, and I've called people on it. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I believe it, but like, but that's one of the many, many, many things. And the thing what's cool is whenever he points out like a facial expression or a tick or something that people do, like they'll cut to like in between commercial breaks or whatever, they'll cut to stills of celebrities or criminals or whatever it is. And it's usually pop culture enough that you know who the people are making that ex- same exact expression. In that, you know, and so they were in that same exact scenario of whatever it is he just pointed out to us. Right. Like rubbing the nose and why, or, you know, shrugging one shoulder, or this or that, or whatever it is. And I mean, it's just, it sounds amazing, you know. Uh, and I do love the show. And one of the uh, things I was thinking about this week and I want to bring up was, you know, the supporting cast or the extras, not the supporting cast, but like the uh, guests of the week. 
that are the guests of that story. Think about as not only do they have to act out their part, but they have to make sure that they're fidgeting the right way or making a micro expression or, or like, so, you know, you know, nodding their head. No, while they're trying to talk. Yes. And you know what I mean? Like it's pretty impressive what the cast has to do. Right. You know, to show that this is what happens when people do this. So now they have to focus on their lines and the scene and what they're doing, but they have to focus on whatever nervous quirk or micro expression or whatever it is they have to do to drive home, you know, Lyman's point. So yeah. it's it's pretty impressive. It is. I agree. And it's a great show. It's I loved it when show. it was on. Yeah, it's an absolute great show. Tim Roth is just fantastic in it. And um, I think I just love the way he calls people on their bullcrap. <laughs> <laughs> and the way he goes about doing it. So, but yeah, great show. It's on Netflix. Every episode's on Netflix. I cannot recommend it enough. Go watch it if you haven't watched it yet. You will not be disappointed. I agree. I think it's a wonderful show. Yeah. If you liked anything like House, um, I, I'd probably compare it mostly to House because he's, he's very House-esque in his mannerisms. Um, it, it, it does have a procedural vibe, though it's really not like a law and order kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely not like a law and order, and it's not. But there is a lot of crime involved on the show. Yes. So. Yeah. Cool. So there, I, I really like that show, and that's that's my plug. Excellent. I uh, I watched, uh, I forgot to talk about this last week, I think. Uh, maybe I did, but. I watched the second episode of the third season of You're the Worst. And uh, this is an FX, now moved to FXX, uh, half-hour comedy. I would call it a comedy, but it's a very dark comedy. And I started watching this show back in the first season just because it looked interesting. Um, It's very twisted kind of stuff. It's like the worst kind of relationship. These are, these are two people, Jimmy and Gretchen, who are, uh, I don't even know if you'd like them, Mike, because they're both like heavy drinkers, heavy drug users. Um, Jimmy writes books and he's done pretty well for himself, but they're like really weird, obscure books. Uh, Gretchen yeah. is a music manager and they have a couple of friends. Edgar is a, uh, he's a vet from the Iraq war and, he uh, was homeless, and he now basically lives with Jimmy, younger guy, not an older guy. Um, and then Gretchen's best friend, Lindsay, is uh, she wants to be a party girl. She wants to like live the happy, carefree life of partying and dancing and doing drugs and drinking. And she's married to the squarest guy in the entire world. Like this guy is a nerd among nerds. The, the crazy like he listens to uh, bird calls and okay his idea of an exciting night is getting one of those order in um, food things and cooking together he he's just he's the opposite of her and, and the first season does a good job of establishing these characters as terrible people that somehow find themselves together because they just enjoy having sex with each other. It sounds like just from the surface it sounds like a dirty tragic terrible show. And yet it's hilarious and it is so much fun to watch. It really gets deep, especially when you get into the second season and they start dealing with severe depression, um, anxiety, and yet they still keep a funny twist on things. 
honestly, this is one of the best shows that I've watched in a long time. It's hmm. it's hilarious, but it's heartfelt. The characters are great. Um, they've got ancillary characters as well, like Janet Varney's on there, and she plays Jimmy's ex uh, slash Lindsay's sister, and she's married to this guy who's insane. Like in the second season, he gets into financial domination where he basically turns over uh, control of all of his accounts to this Russian woman who spends all of his money, and that's how he gets off. Like that, like erotically. Like, yeah, him, that pleases him. Yeah, um, that's screwed up. Yeah, it is. The whole show is screwed up, and normally I stay far away from stuff that's screwed up. But this is just so good; it really, really works. I can't even describe it. And do it justice, other than to say that these people are hilarious, they are so wrong, and yet it's such an amazing show. I have so much, like, I look forward to watching this every week. Oh, that's great. Yeah. um, The first two seasons are on Hulu. There's two episodes in this third season. I mean, like, the first episode of this third season, Lindsay's cooking with her husband at the very end. And spoiler alert. So she's cooking with her husband at the very end and he's talking about how like now that they're going to be a family and you know, you're pregnant and I'm so excited and this is what our life's going to be like. They've already planned out the meals for the next six months. So there'll be no surprises. And she just turns around like she's chopping up mushrooms and she's chopping and chopping. And you're like, Oh, she's going to cut her finger. She's going to cut her finger. Yep. Here it comes. Here it comes. And she just like snaps and turns around and stabs him. But it's not even like a full on stab. It's she maybe puts, a quarter of an inch to a half an inch of a little tiny paring knife into his back. She's just like, poke, and then turns back around, and he like, Wah! he freaks out, and then she just gets this little smile on her face, and we cut to black, and that's the end of it. It, it was so absurd, because normally, like, oh, geez, that's on Hulu, right? Yeah. Okay I, sw- okay, I was watching something the other day, and I saw that commercial. It's like... If somebody's going to snap and stab somebody, you think like, you know, the big overhand thrust down or, you know, no, it was like, a tink. Yes, it was. just like, it tink. A... <laughs> and it, yes, it I saw that. It so is... funny. <laughs> I watched it for a second time with, uh, with my friend Kelly. And when it came to that part, she's like, oh God, she's going to cut her thumb. She's going to cut her thumb. She's going to cut. What the hell? And she just burst out laughing because it's so absurd. But. I really, I strongly recommend that show. It's only a half an hour, you know, 20 minutes if you take out the commercials. And it's just so much fun to watch. Nice. Yep. I give that one a very strong push. So how many seasons are on Hulu right now? Two seasons on Hulu. I think they're 10 episodes each. And then the third season is um, two episodes in so far. And yeah, seriously, if you want to laugh, if you want to, this is also, this is, my push here, but it's the only show that I've ever seen that has treated something like depression the right way. It's weird to say, but like a lot of shows will talk about somebody being depressed or being down in the dumps or something like that. But one of the characters in the second season is revealed to have clinical depression and they actually stretch it out for like five or six episodes and they do it so well. It blew my mind. So big kudos to them for that. But yeah, I'm going to stop talking about it now because I think it's wonderful and yeah. Nice. That sounds good. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you have any other shows or? Well, I did watch, I did, we did watch uh, a little bit of casual this week. Casual is a a Hulu channel original or, you know, series. Mm -hmm. Um, They now have two complete seasons on Hulu. I haven't watched all of the second season. 
And um, basically what it's about is a guy creates a dating app so he can meet the right person. Um, but at the same time, first, he just wants to meet and have sex with a bunch of different girls. That's why it's called casual because, you know, you're looking for a casual partner, I guess. Right. Casual sex. Yeah. And so the show does have a lot of sex in it. It's a half-hour comedy, so it's actually like 27, 8 minutes long, usually each episode. And um, essentially, they're all horrible at being in a relationship. There's the, the guy, his sister, and then her daughter. And I think they must be in their mid-40s, and she's like a 15, 16-year-old teenager. And essentially, all three of them are absolutely god-awful terrible at being in relationships about what they're supposed to do or not supposed to do or just how to act around other people or just in general being a human being. You know, like they're not hateable characters. They just don't know – they just don't know how to be in a relationship. Gotcha. Type of thing. And so – and the show's all about basically their failed relationships and where things went wrong and et cetera, et cetera. So it's pretty good. It's it's, it's pretty good. I uh, I you know we we watch it. So is this the first season or second season of it? I'm on the second season right now. Okay. Yeah, we have probably four episodes left in the second season. Okay. And you said it's Hulu. Is it one of those that um, like they all go up at once? Um. No, they actually launched a new one each week, but they have ah. all they're all up now though. Okay. Yeah, we uh we fell behind. So they're all up now, but they are putting up a new episode like every Tuesday. They just weren't dropping all like 13 episodes straight away. Gotcha. Or 10 whatever it is. So well, That's cool. Yeah. But that's kind of it for me on TV side of things. Well, that's a good segue right into uh Adam Ruins Weddings. That was Okay, I saw I did listen to that podcast on your suggestion. I've been listening to the podcast. Okay. And I did see like a really – again, I can't remember where I was watching it. But I saw a very extended clip of Adam Ruin's Weddings and it looked amazing. This was – like I actually took more notes on this than I took on any other show because oh, wow. the facts that he was giving out were awesome. I won't sit here and drone on and on about it, but this was one of those episodes that's like a can't miss. Um it was, again, like, it started off with the wedding itself and then kind of went into love and relationships. So where you're talking about those people in casual who are terrible at relationships, it makes a good segue. Um, but they were talking about, like, the wedding itself and how it's a symbol of love and, and togetherness. And he's like, no, it's a symbol of how rich you are is yes. essentially what yep. it is. Yep. Um, you know, some of these are are – already known like white used to be impossible to keep clean so white clothing was only meant to be worn once most wedding dresses were just like whatever looked nice on you at the time it was brown or you know so that it could hide the dirt yeah weddings weren't uh, from what i saw in the clip weddings weren't big events like they are now no they were usually done at like a barn raising or you know at the town hall while everybody was there for a meeting yep and uh, they used to be just contracts, you know, essentially. Kind of like you, you hear about like, oh, we're going to marry our daughter off so that we can increase our land holdings or stuff like that. That was the basis behind weddings and marriage for centuries. Uh, he was talking about how like as late as uh, – where was it? Uh, Benjamin Franklin said, love considered merely as a passion will naturally have but a short duration. Essentially saying that the idea of love is kind of ridiculous in a relationship because times change, feelings change, people change. So, Ain't that true? 
Yeah. Um, they were saying that, you know, the United States especially, but most of the world is just obsessed with the ideas of true love and soulmates and, um, you know, having these big grandiose weddings where they've polled uh, caterers and florists and photographers. And these people will freely admit that they will charge more, sometimes up to double for a wedding as compared to a birthday party of the same size. Well, you know what? And I know this has <laughs> nothing to do with what you're saying, but I need to bring this up. Okay. Every year, around the beginning of October, Life Touch sends home those stupid picture order forms for all the kids they bring in. Yep. For school pictures, and they do school pictures in in the in the spring and in the fall nowadays. By the way. Yep. And so when the school picture started, the premise of it was people just didn't take their kids to a, a portrait studio and have pictures done. So this was a cheap way for for you know parents could get nice pictures of their kids to give out as gifts or to give to family members or whatever right. it was. But now it's just basically turned into a racket. I saw this thing online. These two people were from Maine. They had two – they have one child that's they – have, they have like four kids that go to different schools but all in the same area. One kid goes to a private school. One kid goes to a public school. They both got the order forms home on around the same time. And the same package in the private school – is more than the same than that package in the in the public school. Yep. Sounds about right. So like, you know, like for instance, like say this one big package that has say 20 pictures for the public school parent it's like $65 and for the private school parent it's like $73. And like these schools are 3 miles away from each other. So see that is just that is just an unbelievable ridiculous racket. <laughs> and like he was saying here, that's what they do with weddings yep. too. You know, yeah. if a photographer is going to charge a hundred dollars for a birthday party, it's two hundred for a wedding, and people willingly pay it because they think that they have to make this grandiose gesture about how much they love each other by spending tons of money on it. Um, but then he started getting into like uh, the idea of the soulmate. You know, this guy that he was talking to was like, "Oh, well, she's my soulmate. I knew it from the moment I first laid eyes on her." And he goes, "Oh, well, good thing she lived twenty minutes away, huh?" And it's laughable, but he actually did the math out at that point. He's like, well, look, you say that, um, you know, love at first sight, soulmate is um, determined just by looking. So let's say on average you see, you make visual contact with 12 new people a day, and that's women, 12 new women a day. Yep. It, doing the math, it would take 800,000 years to go through all of the women on the earth to see which one was your soulmate. That's a long time. 12 people a day, 800,000 years. So it's ridiculous. It was a phrase that was coined by a guy in 1822, and people just took off and ran with it. He was saying that the word love is the most popular word in song titles by far, and that's taking out things like the and of and stuff. Um, but then he started getting into divorce, and he made a really good point. The, uh, the guy was like, divorce means that I failed at my marriage. And he's like, no, divorce means the ending of a bad relationship. You know, divorce is actually a really good thing. It used to be really, really impossible to get divorces. They, uh, you used to have to have both parties involved and both parties had to agree and there had to be a fault. You had to actually have a fault. So like you would have to say, uh, my husband beats me and he would have to agree to that so that you yeah. can get a divorce. And it wasn't until 69 when uh, Governor Ronald Reagan of California introduced no fault divorce that people could start separating just to separate. Man. They, 
Yeah, and they said that uh, they did some research on that, and they believe that that could have actually reduced the rate of female suicide by 20%. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. And the guy was, you know, they, of course, the people in this show have to bring up things so that he can counterpoint them. So he brought up, he's like, well, divorce is rising. You know, 50% of all marriages end in divorce. And Adam's like, actually, no. He's like, first off, divorces peaked in the 70s after no-fault divorce was introduced. and that Well, was yeah, at, and that makes sense. Yeah, and that was at 41%. And since then, they've been on the decline. So they've never gotten as high as that again. So it's not that people are divorcing more often. It's that fewer people are getting married or settling down into one relationship because they believe, oh, my God, this is the one. He introduced the term limerence, and uh, what that is is it's an intense, involuntary, infatuated love that lasts on average 18 months to three years. And that's an interesting point because a lot of people out there who get into relationships, who get married, it's based around that. It's based around limerence. And the more successful ones that you see are the ones that people get to know each other over a longer time, you know, it's not just the infatuation. It's not just the, Oh my God, we're so head over heels in love with each other because that's, that fades. And then when it fades, you start to feel like you're a failure. Well, I mean, I learned, you know, and I believe you learned as well, uh, (laughs) that when you get with someone, when you're young, it's not for the right reasons. Maybe sometimes it's not the, the, you know, and then like, Several years later, you realize that maybe you really have nothing in common. Yeah. And or, or you realize that you've known all along you had nothing in common. You were just trying, trying. to make it work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, the, the set of circumstances with which it was working was, the, you know, was because you didn't see each other. Because of work schedules, maybe were opposite. So when you were kind of together, it was yep. like it was okay. It was tolerable, if you will. But, like, when you don't have similar interests, and I'm not saying you have to do everything, that you have to like everything the other person likes, but you have to be able to do things together that you both enjoy. And not just one person makes a compromise to get there. Right. And so, yeah, so I, I, I know all about that. I know so, all about that. So, ultimately, this was a really good episode. It um, sounds like it was a really good episode. Yeah, he brought up some good points. He, it, it wasn't patronizing or like, you know, it, he even said, he was like, marriage and love are beautiful things. And when they last, they're awesome. But if they don't last, then it's not meant to be. You know, you can't yeah. think that you're a failure. You just have to think, okay, I'm going to move on to something else. Yeah. So, I really appreciated that aspect of it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. But that show is great. Adam ruins everything. Next week is going to be Adam ruins shopping. So I'm really looking forward to that. I saw a brief cut of it, and he was talking about how the reason that we have so many malls in America was because back in the 50s, I believe it was, uh, a Dutch guy came up with the idea for a mall, and it was supposed to be a like a town hall kind of thing where everybody – a town square, sorry, where everybody could show up. They could make a living by working at the stores. They could shop for the stuff that they needed. They could gather, talk to each other. But when they started building them, there was a loophole in the construction laws that made it so that they were the world's perfect tax shelter. So it was literally impossible to build a mall and lose money on it. So people who had the money just started building malls everywhere just for tax shelter purposes. Huh. Yeah. 
Remember when malls used to be cool and fun, and you could go and spend the day there and enjoy yourself? And now and then Amazon came along. <sighs> Amazon came along. Arcades closed down. Yep. Yep. Spencer Gifts went from being cool to really lame. Uh huh. I mean, it is super lame. <laughs> Video store, uh, like movie stores and music stores, cease to exist practically. Yep. Yeah. Toy um, stores. I mean, like, yeah, KB Toys went out of business. Bookstores closing everywhere. And then, ironically, Amazon has announced that they're putting in brick and mortar. Now Amazon's going to build brick and mortar bookstores. <laughs> <Yep>. <sighs> yeah. um, now, I'm not going to talk about Dark Matter this week because you said that you have not watched it yet. I haven't, no. It was two episodes. Next week will be the final episode of the season. Well, next time we sit down and chat about this, then, episode 27. Yep. We'll talk about the last three episodes of Dark Matter. The only other show that I watched this week, and this was kind of on a, like, all right, I've heard people talking about it. I want to see it. I've got to sit down and watch it. I've watched the first four of eight episodes of the miniseries 11-22-63. Oh, okay. I've, yeah. How was it? I like it. Yeah. I, going to school, I was a big – you had mentioned it earlier. I was a big JFK conspiracy theorist guy. Yep. Um, I really liked the idea of it. I really liked the mythology, uh, all the different – you know, Jack Ruby, Lee Harvey Oswald, CIA, Grassy Knoll, all the different ideas of it. Anytime somebody says JFK, I'm, I'm right there. Uh, it was – it's a really interesting show. The like I was wondering how they were going to take eight episodes and stretch it out to this guy being able to stop Lee Harvey Oswald, but they did it very creatively. Like I was disappointed a bit because it starts off in Lisbon, Maine, and I was like, I recognize that mill, and it turns out that what they did was they took a place in Ontario, Canada, and made it look just like Lisbon, Maine. Right. Yeah. Why they didn't just film in Lisbon, I don't know, but so. The, the premise, so that you can understand this, is that the guy uh, – I want to call him Franco. James Dean. <laughs> it's James Franco. Uh, he frequents this diner. Chris Cooper works behind the counter. It, it's 35 years of diner you know, where he sells really cheap stuff like $1.35 for a hamburger. And uh, Chris Cooper shows him that he has this closet out back that when you walk far enough into it, it's like 10 or 12 feet into the closet in the dark. You pop out on November. No, it's October 29th of 1960. So three years before Kennedy was assassinated. Yeah. And it is always 1158 AM on October 29th, 1960, when you pop out there and there's all these different rules that get introduced in flashbacks later on because Chris Cooper comes out right in the beginning. Like he goes in the back and he comes out and suddenly he's dying of cancer. Like he was perfectly fine, healthy, and suddenly he's dying of cancer. And he explains to uh, James Franco that you can go back there, do whatever you want. When you come out, only two minutes will have passed in the real world. So he's spent years back there studying Oswald, studying the Kennedy assassination, trying to get back to – trying to stop the assassination. But it's not enough – like he was like, well, if you see Lee Harvey Oswald, why don't you just shoot him? He's like, well, I don't know if he's the one that did it. You know, I don't know if he's actually the man behind it. I don't want to just shoot a guy. Right, yeah. But then some of the other rules are that 
time wants to stay the way that it is. So if you start messing with the past, it will mess back. Yeah, will push back. Like there's a scene early on where James Franco decides to try to call his dad because you know his dad died earlier in his life. So he's back in 1960 and he tries calling his dad from a phone booth and there's a lot of static and there's like lights flickering and he steps out of the phone booth because he gets disconnected and he goes to go back and this car screams and slams right into the phone booth and flips over and this woman dies. So the past doesn't want you messing with it. Okay. Um, we keep seeing people, there's one phrase that is uttered a lot. It's, you're not supposed to be here. When he first pops out, there's this raggedy looking guy uh, in a old beat up suit and he's got a hat with a yellow card in it. And he's like, you're not supposed to be here. Hey, I hope you know you're not supposed to be here. And then like when the woman crashes her car, she's lying there dying. And she says, you're not supposed to be here. Um, a man that he messes with later on, um, he finds out that this guy was going to kill his family. So he goes to stop it and he interrupts before the guy can kill the wife. And the guy looks at him and says, you're not supposed to be here. It's a repeated theme throughout the show. Mm -hmm. But essentially you see this guy who is trying to find out who really killed Kennedy um, and past time in the meantime, because he's got three years. Um, one of his clues is that there was a guy who was a, he was running for governor of Texas. He was a general. And in April of that year, he was shot or he was almost assassinated. The guy tried to assassinate him. They couldn't find out who it was, but it was the same caliber of gun that Kennedy was shot with. So now he's trying to see if Oswald is the one who shot this guy. And if so, then it's most likely that Oswald was the Kennedy shooter and it's really a fun show, especially knowing that it's only eight episodes. If you like the Kennedy assassination theories, if you like historical kind of stuff, it, it's blowing my mind. I know you'd love this part, but like the money thing, you know, right in the first episode, he goes back there. Chris Cooper's telling him, he's like, everything tastes better. It just does. So he's eating a piece of pie and he's like, this is literally the best pie I've ever eaten. And she's like, oh, I'm glad you liked it. That'll be 60 cents. And he's like, 60 cents? Here. He gives her a dollar and he's like, keep the change. And she's like, oh, wow, thank you. You know, he goes to a bar because Chris Cooper has given him a notebook, kind of like the Gray Sports Almanac. Yeah. Tells him what fights and baseball games are going to be won. And uh, so he goes to do a gentleman's bet at a CD bar that, you know, our dads would have gone to. And, uh, he manages to get them to give him 35 to one odds, you know, saying who's going to win and in what round. And, uh, they're like, okay, it's a bet. And he's like, great. How about a hundred dollars? And everybody just like drops their drinks. They're like, what? A hundred dollars. <laughs> so it's funny to see that kind of stuff and think that wasn't that long ago. He bought a, he bought a used car on a lot. And the guy, it was funny. He's like, oh yeah, I bought that off so-and-so over in Durham when her husband died. And I'm like, oh, I know that place. But he bought a used car for $750. And it was beautiful because that's what it was back then. You know, <laughs> it, it was just amazing. Yep. So yeah. if you like historical stuff, if you like, the Kennedy type stuff, I strongly suggest. I'm only four out of eight episodes in, but it's only eight episodes total. Well, you know, I've kind of been on the edge about watching it or not, and I feel like you've just pushed me over. So. X push you over to watching it or not watching yeah, it? Yeah, to watching okay. it. Okay. To watching it. Yeah. yeah. I, I really enjoy it. It's it's good. It doesn't 
stay in one place. It doesn't like it does jump at one point. I put my notes. I'm like, wow, it just jumped from 1960 to 1962. But it's so that you don't get bogged down in all that stuff. Um, but he does do other stuff and different things happen when the past pushes back against him. So it's, it's very interesting. Like an extended episode of quantum leap kind of cool. Yeah. I look forward to checking that out. Yeah. All right. Did you watch any movies this week? I did not. Either did I. Nice. I have been craving. I don't know if craving is the right word because craving is a consumption thing. But I have been itching to watch the thing. Uh, Original or remake? Either, both. Don't care. I need to sit down and watch them, though. I've been wanting to watch them for quite some time. Okay. So I just want to, I'm just making a statement. It's a good Halloween movie, I feel. I mean, it's not Halloween themed, but it's correct. But it's a horror movie. Yep, it's a horror movie. Halloween is a coming. It sure is. So next month here in October. 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 Is that the German version? It is. It is. Yep. Yeah, it is. So I saw some trailers. Okay. And, uh, well, before we get to the trailers, I just want to say this, and I, I read this online, and I haven't seen any of the comic books, but I did see a picture of this online, and basically on the new, like, DC Comics, one of the back cover advertisements is Constantine is now available on Blu-ray or DVD via the Warner Archive. Isn't that exciting? It is, except it's not on their website yet. Oh. Huh. I went to the website and looked it up, and that's the thing, it's not there yet. For those that don't know, the Warner Archive is an on-demand DVD printing service by Warner Brothers, and it's all—it's a lot of their old TV shows and movies, and on and on and on. And essentially, so you're, you're going to end up paying a premium price, but you can get rare, hard-to-find stuff printed um, on DVD or Blu-ray. Uh, it's like Constantine or some other older TV shows that maybe aren't regular release. So it's basically—you know—Amazon does a, has a type of service like that as well for certain stuff. Now I have to ask. Yeah. Are you sure that it wasn't the Constantine movie? No, this was Constantine the series, and I okay. even saw an ad for it, um, like the, the uh, in the article where I read this that posted the ad, like from the comic book. Gotcha for the new issues. Yeah, let's see here: Constantine TV show DVD, and that's not it. That's not it. See, it's making a liar out of me now. <laughs> but I, I, it was like one of those things that popped up on the old uh, Facebook feed there. And I read it, and it showed the comic book ad. Hmm. Maybe it's a pre-release comic book? Maybe it hasn't come out yet? Um, yeah, maybe the comic book hasn't come out yet. Maybe someone had a preview copy or something. Right. But anyways, but I went on to Warner Archive and looked it up, and it, and it wasn't there. So, well, we can keep our fingers crossed that soon. I hope so. But I will say this: um, apparently, in the uh, Flash TV show figures line, yep, um, you can get a Constantine figure now. Oh, nice! Yeah, that I did actually find on the Warner Shop site. It's twenty nine ninety nine. Here it is. 9-6-2016, this is supposed to Constantine's coming to DVD and Blu-ray from the Warner Archive. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm looking at the ad right now for it. 
and it shows, you know, it's him, hand on fire, uh, now available, also available, the 100 Lucifer Eye Zombie. So, yeah. So, comicbook.com. Hmm. Anyhow, so, oh, and then Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 1 came out on Blu-ray and DVD August 23rd. Nice. So you have time to buy it and read it, read it, watch it, and catch up <laughs> before the new season starts out. I've never read a Blu-ray before. I've never read one either. I've checked for scratches. Yeah, that's a bit yeah. of a pain in the butt. Big time, big time. Let's see. But yeah, uh, trailers. You got a trailer you want to share? Um, well, commercials. Go ahead. Uh, two new sci-fi shows that I saw commercials for that look very interesting. Uh, one of them's called Aftermath, mm-hmm. and the description just says doomsday meteors, mass vanishings, and demonic possessions. Get okay. a glimpse into the end of days before the premiere this September, and it's basically a family. Uh, the mother is Anne Hache, which is interesting. Didn't know she was still doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're three children, and the world is uh, ending around them, and they're trying to get out, live, etc. Mm-hmm. So that looks interesting. Uh, and then the other one's another sci-fi show. It's called Channel Zero, and it's an anthology show. It says it's an upcoming American horror anthology. Hmm. Um, its series was greenlit for two six-episode self-contained seasons, slated to air in the fall of 2016 and 17. And uh, storylines of the series are based on popular creepypasta, things like uh, Slender Man and such. So they're just going to be little six-episode stints. Uh, like one of the ones that I saw was really creepy, and it was this kid holding out his hand with some food in it, and this thing was eating out of it that was a bipedal humanoid figure, but Gross. everything was teeth. Like his whole body looked like it was covered in teeth, and his face was teeth. Everything was teeth. Gross. But it sounds kind of like a Twilight Zone kind of thing, which – I'm I do love the Twilight me. Zone. Yeah, I yeah. do love the Twilight Zone. Like, one of the episodes, it says, a child psychologist returns to a small town home to investigate the mysterious disappearance of his twin brother and a slew of other children in the 80s and how it's connected to a bizarre local children's television show that aired at the same time. So that right there immediately screams to me, like, um, Amazing Stories or Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited. Yeah, that definitely that. does. I, I could I would buy that based yeah. on that description. So that'll be uh, cool. Both of those come out September 27th of this year. I'll have to check those out. Yeah. So I saw this trailer for a movie called The Girl on the Train. I have seen that one. And Not the movie, a, but the trailer. Huh? Not the movie, but the trailer. The trailer, yeah. It's a psychological thriller. And it looks really interesting. And essentially, I guess, from what I can gather, because it's, it is kind of hard to decipher a little bit, because it's... But basically, this girl witnesses on a, a train, a commuter train that she must take every single day, and she witnesses uh, a crime. I, I believe it's a woman being abducted, and everything involved around that, as far as her, I think her credibility and believability, and then um, basically every other character in the movie either doubting her or not believing her or accusing her of doing it. So, I mean, it, it looks kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I really just go watch the trailer on that one. Um, 
but it does look very interesting. It does. Uh, my friend Kelly read the book, and she said that the book was awesome. Okay. She said it was really good book, and that the movie looks very similar to the book, and so yep. it, it should be good as well. I just I feel like this movie is going to have a huge twist in it. Like the trailer gave me all the feeling in the world that there's going to be a tremendous twist. <laughs> you know, but it does seem really cool. It seemed like a good intense flick. Yep. I'll concur with you on that. Did you see the uh, Underworld, Underworld Blood Wars trailer? No, I saw that it was out, but I didn't watch it. Oh, man. Okay, does, so... Does she get dirty at all? No, it's so oh, shiny. It's God. so shiny. And even even worse, her name is like, it's Kate Beckinsale in Underworld Blood Wars. So, like, her name is on the friggin' title card. Oh. And, and... She looks like she, you know, the size of a pencil, and she has her guns are bigger. Like her handguns are bigger <laughs> with extended clips. So it just looks awkward now. So I don't know. Like I'll watch it just because I've watched the others. But this is that's going to be. I'm going to wait for home video to watch this disappointment. Oh yeah, if even you know. That. I mean, I'll even the, the trailer didn't even it. inspire me or get me excited to want to see it. Right. You know, like I, I've watched the trailers to the other ones in the past. I'm like, ooh, I can't wait to check that out. And this one, I was just like, like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna watch it. But. I can't believe they're still making movies in that series. Well, dude, they're making another Resident Evil movie for crying out loud. I know, and they swear this one will be the last one. I hope so. I certainly hope so. Yeah, well, I guess it doesn't affect me. Have anything better to do? Huh? I said, doesn't Mila Jovovich have anything better to do with her life? No, 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 no. She doesn't. She makes enough money off this franchise that she just wants to last forever. Um, did, I saw a trailer called Live by Night. It uh, stars Ben Affleck. I believe he directs it as well. Okay. And essentially, it's a post-World War II gangster flick. So it's like late 1940s. It's that stereotypical, you know, 20s and 30s gangster type, you know, movie. It just it takes place a little bit later, and uh, it looks really, really good. Like I, it's it just it just looks good. There's there's violence. There's 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 the, the the time period where it takes place in. There's really bad accents and talking. It just looks like a great flick. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. It just looks like a great flick. Well, that's cool. You watch any other trailers? Uh, no. Okay. I did watch this other trailer. Uh, the movie is available now on demand. It was just kind of like I saw it on the side of YouTube and I clicked on it. And, I, okay, so the premise is, the, the, the premise is this girl, okay, from watching the trailer, it almost looks like this girl has consensual sex with a guy and then he later rapes her. And so this is essentially a comedy rape revenge flick where everything goes wrong, kind of like uh, Very Bad Things. Wait, is that the one that takes place in Vegas with John Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it's kind of like where everything seems to go wrong. Like they basically try to teach this guy a lesson uh, for what he did to her. So they want her to, him to like wake up naked in the middle of the desert with something shoved up his butt. Uh, but they accidentally kill him instead. And then when they're trying to uh, cover that one up, they accidentally kill this other guy. And that's why the the name of the movie is called Black Widows. Get it? 
Ah, okay. Yeah. So it's just, the, but yeah, it's a comedy rape revenge flick, which I've never heard of such a genre. It, it makes my skin crawl just to hear the words comedy and rape in the yeah, same. But that's exactly what it is. It's a comedy rape revenge movie. Like, I spit on your grave. That's a rape revenge movie. It is very violent. Yeah. You know, and graphic. Yeah. And not funny in any way, shape, or form. No, no, no. This no. is literally the opposite. I don't. It does. It's not like it's. It's um. It's not like Naked Gun type of slapstick comedy or scary movie comedy like that. But it is over the top comedy things, like Hangover kind of stuff. Yeah, it's just like very bad things. Like what can go wrong next? Everything's just going to keep going wrong, and yeah. So. Hmm. I don't know if I'm going to watch it. If it, I popped up on Netflix one day, I probably would throw it on. Um, gotcha. But yeah, a comedy rape revenge movie. I've never even heard of such a thing. Uh, neither had I before tonight. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that kind of that kind of sums me up tonight. The, uh, we did get confirmation this week that yes, uh, Joe Manganiello or... Yeah, Manganiello will be playing Deathstroke in the new Batman movie. So, really? So that's exciting. That is a big guy. I could see him going toe-to-toe with Affleck and enjoying it. I could totally buy him as Deathstroke, yeah. See, here's the thing. Like, I've talked so much crap about like Batman vs. Superman and yep. the, D- the state of DC movies. I'm still excited to see this. You know, I'm not the type of person who, like, yeah. I guess they don't hold a grudge. Well, Suicide Squad was doing good in the box office, and I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's you know because comic book fans are comic book fans, or right. if it's really a good movie. Uh, yeah, I think it's because comic book fans are comic book fans. It was not a really good movie, but did you go see it? Yeah, yeah, I talked about it. Oh my god, that's right, you did. I don't know how <laughs> I forgot that. That's I right. Told that's you that right. it was like a music video, basically. Yes, it was like a music video. Yes, it's all it's all coming back to me now. Sorry. Put a little it's been a long day on. of fun town today. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see Joe Manganiello. I'm not as excited as him as Deathstroke as I was as John Barenthal as Punisher. Right, right, right. But I'm right there with you as far as I think, yes, he could actually be a great Deathstroke. Good casting. And of course, and, um, fun trivia fact, this will be like he's already been in Marvel movies. Now he'll be in DC because he played Flash Thompson in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies. Well, yeah, Ben Affleck played Daredevil. Yeah. So now we've got two boys who have crossed the pond from Marvel to DC. And technically, Affleck played Superman, too, in Hollywoodland. <sighs> he played actor George Reeves playing Superman. Yeah. But I, I consider that him He had a George Superman Reeves. costume on yes. in the movie. Yes. He played I, Superman. I still, no, I still consider it him playing George Reeves, but... Agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Deathstroke, excited. Uh, yeah. They they won't confirm or deny whether or not he's going to have a uh, cameo in the Justice League movie. But yeah. he's in London. They're shooting in London for Justice League, so it's entirely possible. But what a good villain for Batman to go against. I mean, really you, is, you yeah. usually always get like, well, what have we got? Like Two-Face Riddler, you know, Joker. But it'd be nice to see him go against an armored you know, toe-to-toe fighter who's on par with him and uh, brilliant strategist. Yeah, I'm excited. Quite excited. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, but I'm I, looking forward too. But I think that's about it for me this week. Can I just a, a little thing I just want to throw out there? Sure. Um, I'm really tired of all the uh, Facebook crap filling up my Facebook feed. I mean, about uh, did who Negan killed on the end of The Walking Dead, and did the fans finally figure it out? <laughs> I don't even look at that stuff because I don't even people, care. Shut up. Wait for the show to come back. And just sit down and watch it. Do you remember back in the day when the closest you could come to a spoiler was TV Guide's description of the show for that week? Yes. That was glorious. You didn't even have a guide channel. You didn't have the internet. So, like, you knew that, say, MASH was coming on Wednesday at 8. But you didn't know what the episode was going to be about unless you read the description in there. And they were usually pretty vague. Yeah. You know, Radar gets into trouble and Hawkeye has to bail him out. You're like, okay, well, that sounds like every other episode. But nowadays, yeah, you, it's over-inundation. There is no such thing as secrets anymore. No surprises. Because everybody no, knows isn't. everything that's going on. Well, that kind of almost goes back, and, and not to rift away from what we were saying, from from what the topic of this podcast is about, but that's like talking about like, go, like, I remember when I was a kid, you go to the mall, go to the movie store, and you would look through the new releases, or you'd look through the bargain bins, or whatever, or you just look through different sections to see what had come out, because you didn't know. You had no idea what was coming out when. Or you'd walk in and look on the new release wall to see what was coming out a few months from now, because you didn't know, because we didn't have the internet to tell us all that. We didn't have the internet to search for anything. You know, like, if yep. you'd go to the mall, go to the martial arts section, look to see if they have the new Jackie Chan movie or an old Jackie Chan movie on DVD you've never seen before. And if they did, you were like, yeah! And now you can just go on Amazon, type Jackie Chan, search, and then find everything he's ever done and just order and have it shipped to your house. So it's this, it's along the lines of that. The same thing like you are saying with the TV guide thing. Yep. Everything's just right there at your fingertips. Yep. Ah, it's a whole new world. Yeah. So this is this is what I want to close out with. Okay. Okay. I don't know if you've read this or not, but recently Summer Glau did like a panel thing at the Rose City Comic Con. She did a Q&A at the convention Saturday, earlier today, whatever. Okay. And it was talking about Firefly. She talked about a lot of things, but in the part where she talked about Firefly and Serenity, uh, she said this. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sure that he, as in Joss, has ha- had his own uh, material for has new material for each character because they're so rich. Klaus said that the castmates all tried to guess their character's backstory in regard to what. She would like to see for River. She said, I want to see River find a relationship, someone from another planet, learn to communicate. And then she said, and I know there's going to be another one sometime. And then the crowd erupted. So, yeah. What's that all about? Uh, That sounds like positive thinking to me. I hope not. I hope that's leaked information. (laughs) I hope it is. A castle's done. No one's doing anything right now. It's true. You know, literally, no one's no. no I, I can't think of a single member of that cast that has got a full time role on any TV show or anything like that. You know, they're all kind of doing their own thing. But Marina Baccarin's got to be ready for uh, Deadpool too. 
Okay, and Alan Tudyk's going to do another season of Con Man, hopefully. But the point is, they could it's they could do it. They could do it. Yep. I mean, I know there's another six issue comic series coming out soon. I feel like October is the release date. I already have that set to get it and put in my poll at editor's note uh, when that starts coming out. But uh, yeah, I would love to see something, something. Well, that animated thing that you showed me, that was amazing. I would yes. love even to see that with them voicing the characters. But again, that's a fan-made thing. So there's nothing saying that Joss isn't going to shut it down. Correct. No, no, you're absolutely right. But I'm just saying, though, I mean, like, I would even be as happy as to see an official thing like that with them voicing the characters. Yes, absolutely. I would even love that. So, But anyhow, that's just what I was going to close. That's what I want to close out on. Excellent. Firefly Serenity Love. So. It's a good thing to love. I think so. I think so. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to us once again this week. Uh, if you have any questions or comments or requests. Oh, requests. I just thought of something. I'm sorry. We had – I got a Twitter request, and now i got to find it. I had one of our – Someone asked us if we could watch a show, check out a show. When did this happen? Just the other day, like a couple days ago. Okay. And uh, now i got to find it. Oh, it says, can you cover Until Dawn? I have Xbox, not PS. What is Until Dawn? Is that a show or a game? Until Dawn is a game. I mentioned okay. it last week because it had Rami Malek as one of the uh, oh, mocap okay. actors. Well, there we go. So. She wants to know about Until Dawn. Uh, Until Dawn was phenomenal. Um, it was a great game. It was the it was the first game that I've seen in forever where you don't get to save. You don't have checkpoints. Well, you sorry, you do have checkpoints, but like you don't get to reload. The game picks up wherever you left off, so you don't get to say, "Oh, I made a bad decision. I'm going to go back in time and and change it." And it follows these. Uh, teenagers who meet up at a mountain resort on the anniversary of the death of one of their friends. There were these twin sisters that wandered out into the wilderness and uh, because of a prank, you know, it was one of those high school pranks where they tricked the girl into thinking that this guy liked her and got her into a room and then said, oh, you're a loser. And she ran off and her sister went after her and she died out in the wilderness. So now we go back the next year and you at different points in the game you take over different characters and this is the one that I said like had Hayden Panettiere in it okay all right yeah I just didn't recall the title but I remember you talking about this yeah and yeah. so it's a horror game kind of like a horror movie and but it starts off really slow it's got a slow slow build to it different decisions that you make like different things that you say or different places that you go have effects later on like if one of your people knocks over a baseball bat as they're walking through the house, then later on when somebody's running from the murderer, the baseball bat's not there because it got knocked over and kicked into the corner. Oh, I love that. Oh, it was amazing. And the fact that you couldn't go back, like you had to play through, you couldn't load up an old save and go, okay, I'll make a different decision, made it so much more scary. Like these quick time events where you were like, push to the left, push to the right, uh, up, down. And the thing of it is, too, your characters can die. 
depending on what you do, what you choose, there are different parts in there. Like at one point, two of your friends are chained up. It's like saw. They're chained up with their arms above their heads and there's a saw blade heading right at them. Oh, jeez. And you have to choose. You can either let it go and it will go into um, your best friend from childhood or you can pull this lever and it'll go into the girl who you really like and have a crush on. It's intense. I lost one character in there, and it hit me harder than any other game I've ever played. And it's because I was trying to do the right thing. His girlfriend was a horrible person, and yep. and she <laughs> oh she was a terrible person. Like she was mean and sarcastic and yelled at everybody. And she was even yelling at him while while I was trying to save her life. And I tried and I tried and I tried, and I, eventually she just dropped. And I was like, damn! So I jumped over to this cliff. I turned around to walk, and this thing just grabbed me. It grabbed my character, lifted him up, and hung him jaw first on a meat hook. Ugh. And it just devastated me. Like, I had to put it up for the night because I was like, I lost him. I, I lost one of these characters. This guy died because of me. And even up until the very end, like, there's this intense showdown with, and I'm not going to spoil it here, but there's an intense showdown with some enemies and, it, like, every couple of seconds, you have to make a decision. Stand still or run for it. Stand still or run for it. I picked the wrong thing at the wrong time and lost half of my teenagers because of it. Whoa. It was tragic. And afterwards, I was shaking. Like, the whole game only takes maybe seven hours to get through. Yeah. But I was just, like, shaking afterwards because it was so intense and it was so realistic. Like, afterwards, the survivors that you do have are all doing interviews with the uh, cops. Yep. And it's like you're seeing their faces like they're being recorded. And depending on what you did, like, one of the girls is like, have you found my boyfriend? Do you know if he made it out alive? And I'm like, no, he didn't. I lost him. So so there's no, like, you, there's no save points where if you mess up, you can go back to your previous point. It Correct. So it's real time, quote unquote. Exactly. You oh, play wow. through this game in one. Well, obviously you can put the game up. You can. There are different checkpoints, but like, yeah. yeah. If you, but you can't screw different. up and hit reset and go back. Exactly. Okay. And that's what made it so awesome. I cannot huh. recommend that game enough. In fact, last week when I was talking about it, I got a, a few messages from. Uh, Tully, and he was like, I loved Until Dawn. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Mully? Yes, Mr. Mully. Mully. Mason Mully? <laughs> yes, Mason yeah. Mully. Okay. And, uh, yeah, if you want to know whether or not you should play it, yes, you should play it. It is a Halloween game. You know, this is the type of thing that when you're feeling like getting scared one night, like around Halloween, plop it in. I wouldn't play it by yourself. I'd get somebody <laughs> else to, to be in the room with you. You know, I had my sister with me, and it helped because... <laughs> You can kind of share the the freakiness, but really, I'm gonna to have to come over and watch you play this game. Yeah, well, the thing is too, it's like a traditional horror game or horror movie because yeah. there's even like the parts. There's something simple where you're playing as the the bubbly blonde cheerleader and the guy who is uh, Grant Ward on Shield. You know, yep. kind of tackles yeah. her to the snow, and you have a choice to make: do you push up so that you kiss him, or do you push down so that you smash snow in his face and then run off and giggle? You know. There's there's the sexual innuendo and stuff like that that gets taken away by supernatural forces. I'm going to have to come over and watch you play this game. I think, I think you should. Th this, I think I'm going to have to do that. This is an intense – it's a thrill ride. It's playing yeah. a movie essentially and yes. holy god did I love it. Yes, cannot recommend that highly enough. Sweet. Yeah. Well, there you go. All Thanks right. Now, that, 
really does cover everything. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening once again. Feel free to drop us a line with all your questions, comments, or suggestions. And uh, you can find me on the Twitter, again, at SuperstarML. I'm on Twitter as well, at the Quantum Geek G33K. The show is at What Did You Watch on Twitter and on Facebook. So check us out there. Yeah. And thanks. We'll catch you all next week. 